understand, you can tell the story. You even were trying to set up Chavez before the sprint, hold him out of the wind, till 5k to go, and then you went, oh, I might just have a go at this sprint, full bunch sprint. And you won the bunch sprint. Tell me about how it happened, but then also about the actual emotion of winning your first Grand Tour stage and that feeling of, oh, I've, I've arrived on the, on the big stage. Yeah, uh, first of all, I think you are right that sometimes it feels like the winds I have, to, they fall a little bit random down from, from the sky and, and I grab them there. But I was specifically told not to sprint. I think we had a sprint day the, the day before, or maybe it was two days before where I already, I still had the, the arrow suit on with small like hope of, of doing something. But So for stage 18, I had the normal jersey, didn't expect anything. Uh, and then the positioning with with these guys just went really well. I didn't use too much energy coming in. And I think around three Ks to go, I could see I was sitting in good position with the HG on my wheel. And Chavez was also in good position. And he still had Bewley and maybe Swine Toft. And like, I think they also had a good run. So I was thinking, ah, Fuck it! I just uh, <laughs> leave him here and, and then do uh, do my own uh, own thing for the, for the last uh, two or three k's uh, because I was already in in the front and and I hadn't really touched the wind uh, too much and uh, somehow it it worked out with a with a win and then everybody was happy. Nobody is talking about that. I've got specifically told not to uh, <laughs> not to sprint. But I I love this because this is something I try and give some people advice if they've asked but when you get your chance you got to take it regardless of the consequences you got to be willing to take on if it doesn't happen you got to be willing to go well just say you'd finish 10th or 15th and you know someone had crashed and then everything would have gone to shit and you would have got your ass kicked but you got to be willing to take your chance and go well I'm going to have to wear it if it doesn't work today. And that's what you did, but it came off and everyone's always happy when it comes off. You just listened to the podcast that I did with Magnus Court Nielsen and that's over at the Cycling Podcast. If you haven't heard that already, like always, get across there and check out that episode. A great episode with him, hearing about his story, about where he's from, Bornholm, the island just off Denmark there, and also about his career up until now and also potentially what he's going to get up to in the next few years. A really exciting talent in the peloton now. So go across and check out that episode. Right now we've got Talking Luft. If you don't already know what that is, this is the little extra DVD series that we do. It's like extras, a little bit more about the guests that we get from the original episode and just chat to them about different random stuff. I'm pretty sure you know what it is if you haven't heard it before. So guys... Without further ado, sit back and enjoy this. Talking Luft is back. Here we go. All right, let's get cracking. Here we are. We're sitting back on the bus midway through... Route de Ocotane, and today was a filthy stage. Stage three, we went up the Tour of Malay, and it's time to talk a bit of Luft with Magnus Court Nielsen. Welcome, mate. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Tell me about, let's, before we get into talking Luft, tell me about your day today. Tell everyone about what happened out there on the road today. It was a pretty hard day. I think we had 
four and a half thousand meters of uh, climbing and uh, a pretty strong uh, breakaway, which also had to be brought back because there was a few riders who were still in uh, in GC. Mm. So the peloton rode a, a solid pace, but yeah, I was uh, feeling okay, and, and then it's uh, it's it makes things a lot easier if if you're a little bit on top of the pedals, and uh, I was able to to roll in uh, when I hit the last climb, go easy there. So uh, I got all right through through the states. Have you ever done the Tour of Malay before? Yeah, I think I've done it uh, twice from from both sides. So this was uh, the third time. What do you think? For everyone out there who hasn't done it, it's a very famous climb, always in the Tour de France. So tell them about what it's like riding up the famous Tour de Malais. Yeah, it is a, a really big climb. I think this was the first time I um, I went over the the top with uh, with a bunch. I finished up there <laughs> once, and then uh, another time I think I've got got dropped. Uh, so it was nice uh, staying in the bunch and, and being there for, for the downhill. And Magnus is making it sound like the bunch cruised up there, but they didn't. He's just climbing really well because I wasn't there. So I got dropped and I came back. All right, let's talk some luft. First question, Maggie. Cycling caps, caskets. How do you wear your cycling cap? Do you wear it forwards? Do you wear it backwards? Do you wear it with the brim up, brim down? What's your style? Without helmet, I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't wear it much uh, without helmet. Uh, on on the podium, uh, I wear it, I like it better than the like baseball cap or what you call those uh, modern cap with a big mm-hmm. uh, shade. Uh, so there, there I will have it on with uh, with the shade uh, flipped up. With the brim up, nice. Brim up. I like it. If you could have raced back in the day, in the nineties when they didn't have to wear helmets, what would your style have been? Would you have raced with a hat? Would you have raced with a headband? Would you have raced with one of those sausage helmets? Would you have just had the golden locks in the air? What would have Maggie's style been? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Like, I've never really raced or gone training without a, a helmet. Um, so I don't know how it how it feels if I would like to have something to control the hair. or I think I would just, uh, yeah, run run naked with, with sunglasses on. <laughs> naked? I like it. <laughs> Hair, he's talking about just hair, just the hair. Yeah, not on the head. <laughs> Would you have done the brill cream in the hair? You know, like really slicked it back, or you just had like fluffy hair flowing in the wind? I think I would have it flowing in the wind. Yeah, nice. yeah. All right. What's your all-time favorite team? And I mean by that, the team itself, but also the clothing, the kit. So you might have two different ones. You might go, I really like that clothing, the kit, but I really like that team. Or you might go, I just loved everything about that team. Yeah, growing up, I, I followed obviously CSC a, a lot. They were a really big team and a Danish team when when I was a, a small kid, and I wasn't really following cycling other than uh, than the tour in the summer. But um, they were a great team, and I also liked the the kid. I think for a few years they had some a little bit kind of eagle design mm. or. Like uh, the one with yeah. the red on it and stuff too. Yeah, red, but it looks like they they had uh, some feathers or yeah, yeah. W- wings almost uh, drawn into to the clothes. I was thinking, fuck, that's uh, really really cool. <laughs> Did you were you a fan of CSC when they had the documentary as well? Overcoming was it? Do you remember that documentary? Yeah, I, yeah. I think I've only watched it uh, later. I don't remember watching it. At I think one at at the time. Yeah. Next question, favorite race. Could be a race you've done, could be a race you still want to do. 
I think if we were talking one day race, I would say uh, Robert is the uh, most epic race. Uh, Good I've done it a, a few times, but uh, yeah, it's also a hard race. Uh, it it kind of really breaks you as well, even though you <laughs> <laughs> it's really a hate and love relationship I have there. But but I think like if you win there, that must be the the ultimate thing uh, to yeah. to do as a cyclist. I think most people have a love hate relationship with that race. It's one of those races that. In the moment, it's difficult to really enjoy it, but always afterwards you feel like, oh, yeah, that was so cool. But in the moment, it's really hard to enjoy it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's so rough, but that's only makes it even like a, a bigger race in a way. Like, I've tried it. <laughs> I know how, how hard it is. Like, uh, yeah, it's definitely only real men that, that we win We need them. you on the start line this year. You need to put your hand up. Just one cobblestone race. Get in for Roubaix. Yeah, I saw it's uh, late in the season, so uh, I could maybe finish the, the, the season off there. Um, yeah, we, we will see. Yeah. Crosswinds or mountains? What do you prefer? Yeah, I think both both things. You you need oh. good 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 legs. Uh, there's nothing that's fun if, if you're not on, on a good day. Uh, you have to choose one, though. Yeah. I think it must be the, be the wind. Uh, yeah. the oh, nice. Uh, Training or racing? Uh, training, I, I, uh, yeah, I really enjoy the, the training part. Actually, getting out with uh, my friends and the whole written being also at home. I, I like that uh, lifestyle. You, you still have to to be on it with your diet and your training, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a good part of, of being a cyclist uh, mm. for me at least. Mm, I agree. Now, when you go out training, are you a coffee stop guy? Do you stop for coffee out training? No, definitely not. I uh, oh. I try to stop as little as possible. Before New Year, I stop. I, I really like it. I really enjoy it. But I think it's uh, it's uh, bad for your your training. It's uh, like a shame if you have a good five hour ride and then you break it up in a three and a two hour ride. Mm. So I had a coach back when I, I turned pro. Or uh, he wasn't actually my coach, but but on the team, he was saying if you stop for more than five minutes, it's uh, it's two sessions. So uh, yeah, I try to to minimize the, the stops, and uh, I will often have a quick stop at a gas station to refill the bottles and then get a little bit of food if if I need that. The thing that I like about the gas stations here is they have the little Nespresso machine in the gas station, so potentially you could get a quick coffee under five minutes. Have you ever tried that? Yeah, sometimes I get like the iced coffees. Oh in, yeah, in the, the shakeramas. The yeah. They're nice. Yeah, shake it up, drink it while you go. Do you put the do you put the stopwatch on when you pull up? No, but I can see it afterwards on the gum, you know, how, how long time I've been stopped. No, I mean, I just try to, to do it pretty uh, pretty quick. Okay, well, let's talk about before New Year's. When you do stop for coffee, what do you normally get when you stop? It depends. I, I can have some pretty big uh, stops, actually, mm. to, to enjoy it. Uh, Tell me. Sometimes I have, a, like, a full-on burger with fries or pizza. Or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. But then we have also the, the typical uh, poco dio, uh, yeah. like a, a sandwich with, with an omelette uh, in. With a coffee? Uh, I'm more a Coca-Cola guy. If mm. we sit longer, I will have uh, a coffee in, in the second round. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What coffee do you drink? Like when you start your day, you start with a milk coffee, cappuccino, you have like espresso or filter. What's your coffee routine? I don't drink uh, coffee don't in you? the morning. No. I thought you drank coffee. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I drink coffee at the coffee shops, but I don't take one in the morning. When I'm at home, I, I never have a coffee here. In the races, I often have a coffee before we uh, we start, but uh, that's the only what, coffee I have. What coffee today. do you drink? Espresso? 
I can have everything, but but normally I will uh, drink something with milk. Mm. Uh, yeah, Don't coffee we, at home? Why? I, I'm too lazy, I think. <laughs> I just, uh, it's too lazy even to do instant. Just scoop a scoop a spoonful of instant in hot water. Yeah, th- th- that's what I have because uh, if sometimes you get the uh, guests, you need to be able to offer them a little bit of uh, of coffee, you know. So so then I can at least make a, a instant coffee in in case I need it. <laughs> All right. What's your drink? What's your poison? What's your favorite drink? It could be alcoholic, could not be alcoholic. I don't know, man. Definitely not coffee, I see. Uh, I think that's a Coca-Cola. I really Coca-Cola. like a Coca-Cola. Straight. Both, yeah, on dinner, but also after the after a race. I can really sit and enjoy a cold uh, Coca-Cola. And I also take it in on on trainings often. If I stop at, stop at a service station, I, I get a, a Coke always. Sometimes I drink half and the other half in, in the bottle and have... Take it with you? Take it with me, yeah. Do you like, do you spice it up sometimes and at home get yourself a Coke, get some ice, put a slice of lemon in there, really get it, spruce it up? Or you just like it straight out of the bottle? No, at home I never get it. I only, I think, buy it like oh. once uh, when, when I'm out one at a time. Uh, I don't think I would be able to control having it standing in my fridge. I can't really control anything, so I don't have any like candy or cokes or anything at home because then uh, it's then, gone. I, then I eat it. Yeah. What is your preferred way to have a coke? Like, because if I'm going to have one, I would I'd like to have it out of a glass bottle, one of those old school glass bottles, with the with the top on, um, with like a beer top on it gets open that's my preferred if I was going to have a coke that's what I would like do you like it in a can do you like a plastic bottle glass bottle if you had to choose no I'm also for the the glass bottle mm. a, a good cold one but I like it then poured into a, a glass. glass with ice cubes and a, a piece of, uh, of lemon ah uh, you do like uh, that yeah very good alright do you like to train with a group or train alone with a group for sure favorite training loop now think of the best loop that you love doing out there could be something from back on the island could be something in over in Copenhagen could be you know something in Girona Andorra I don't know where but explain the loop because there's going to be someone out there that knows what you're talking about yeah it's a hard one I think one of my uh, favorite loops would be in like in the off season November December when you have time for a, a coffee stop and uh, often I'll spend uh, some time in, in Girona that time a year. So it would be the the coast loop, we call it. So you go out to Tosa de Mar. It's about 40 kilometers. Then you are riding along the, the, coast? the coast for for another hour. And then you can have a, a really good uh, stop uh, later on. Where do on. you stop? At the, the cake shop, it's called. Oh, yeah. so and you go all the way to St. Falou, yeah. and from St. Falou up to Plagiadaro, and then you go to the cake stop there. Yeah, and, and they also make a good burger there. <laughs> and they have, obviously, a lot of uh, cakes with, with that name. Uh, so you can get there, whatever you, you desire. That's a great loop, because you leave Girona. Do you go to Lagostera or Yagostera? Do you go on the small Belgium road, or do you go the main road down? Now we go the the small road on, yeah. on the concrete uh, road. Yeah. And then you go across then down to Tosa de Mar, you ride the beautiful coast and you ride it the correct way because the coast is, you're on the right side of the road and the coast is right there all the way down to St. Falou, up and down. It's pretty tough that road as well. Yeah, it, it's not like a, a flat coast road. It's uh, really hilly up and down 
in and out, but uh, in the winter you don't have much traffic there and it's uh, really beautiful and, and often uh, the temperature is also nice at, at the coast. What way do you go home from the cake shop? I think the, the traditional way. Up to uh, Romagna? Yeah, yes. Up a small climb to Romagna, then back to Lagostera and then home on the straight road? Or you go over Romagna, around to Colonge, and then back through La Bisbal that way? Oh, to Colonge, I think. Oh, yeah? yeah? And then through La Bisbal, or do you go back over Hincapi? It, it can depend a little bit, I oh, think, on right. uh, how go. you feel on the day or on the, on the, on the program. Yeah. Uh, how much you have uh, left. Nice. Couple left. What's your best bike, your favorite bike that you've had? It could be something you still got now, maybe something you've ridden in the past. Like, just one of my favorite bikes. Yeah, uh-huh. like the bike that you that you really like. Yeah, I think the bike I feel the most for is, is an old mountain bike. The, it's like the most expensive bike I've bought for, for my own money. An old, uh, it's 26 inches, uh, mm. specialized stump jumper, aluminium uh, uh-huh. frame. Uh, I used to, to race a uh, mountain bike, so and that's like the the most expensive bike I've ever bought for my own money before I, I got to the level and, and being old enough where <laughs> where you had teams uh, teams buying uh, buying your your stuff. I, I still have have that bike uh, stored. Uh, I don't ride it currently, so it's it's just standing there. But I'm definitely not gonna get get rid of it. That's awesome. It'd be retro now, that. Yeah, it is. Uh, you don't really see many 26 inches uh, mountain bikes around anymore. Nice. All right. You may have actually alluded to this already, but what is your cheat meal? Like you said before, I don't have anything at home. I don't want to, you know, tempt myself. But just say when you get home from, say, a day like today, you've been out, you've had, you've suffered, and you go, you know what? I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to let my hair down. Today is that day. What is that cheat meal? Uh, that's ice cream for me. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I always buy it like a, a box in, <laughs> in the leader boxes, and uh, that's usually gone in, in the same day as I, <laughs> as I buy it. <laughs> what flavor? Uh, it depends. I like vanilla, but uh, but I, I usually mix it up and, and pick whatever I'm, I feel for that, that day. Do you just eat it straight out of the tub or you go to the, the effort of putting it in a bowl? No, I'm, I'm putting it in a bowl. Oh, and then, then I'm... But, but I'm usually going through it uh, <laughs> that, that same day. So, sometimes I can stretch it over two, two days. <laughs> All right, the last question here... Oh, second last question, sorry. Do you have a war story? Now, a war story is one of those days, one of those stories where... I used to say it was a Gruppetto story. You know, when you're in Gruppetto, you know, you're trying to get there by time cut, you know, you're suffering. But I thought, you know, not everyone gets to go in Gruppetto. So I just thought, war story. There's just that one story that you've got from that day, it comes to mind like that, you go, oh yeah. I remember that day back in the Giro or back in the Vuelta or maybe it was in a Classics. What is your war story? I think that's uh, Paris-Robert, the the first year uh, I did it. Remember we had, we did re- recon two or uh, three days before, and uh, my hand started hurting a little bit. We didn't do too many sectors, but I took my gloves on in the recon after maybe five sectors, and did the two sectors with the gloves off. I thought, ah, oh, that's uh, that's great. Uh, but it, I was just getting robbed a little bit different than than with the gloves uh, on. Uh, so I start the race, 
had some bad luck. Somebody rode into my uh, rear rail and broke my, snapped the cable off. <laughs> so then I rode a long time without gears before I could get a new bike. Was this in the before the sectors or during the sectors? I think it was on the first sector. There oh. was a crash. I kind of managed to uh, to break, but yeah, I, I got ridden into from behind. And uh, the cars are ages behind. So uh, and Matthew Heyman also had a problem. Uh, I don't remember. So we stopped two at the same time. But I had the bike in the middle of the roof. There was a time where you don't have a front wheel on if you're not like the the top dog. So it took some time. <laughs> I was sitting chasing on a long time to try and get back to the bunch. And uh, maybe I just make contact, but uh, I get dropped again. It was a long, hard day. And then just as the car passed me after Arnberg, I think I'm I'm out the ass again. I uh, The gears completely stop again on the <laughs> oh bike. No. So then I ha I'm riding the whole rest of, of <laughs> from Arnberg. From Arnberg without gears and already did 30K without a rear derailleur. It's 100k to go from Arenberg too. Yeah, it is. And my hands were really hurting a lot. Like I had big blisters that started like to, to bleeding. But I had luckily had um, some arm warmers uh, <laughs> taking off. So then I took the arm warmers on my hands. If you can imagine. So not not over the, the thumb, but, but yeah. on the rest of the, the hand, I had the arm warmers around. Did that help? That helped. And we were sitting in a group. We were three guys. You want to finish? Robert was my first year there, and uh, can you remember who the guys were? Uh, Stump Snyder. He yeah. was riding for uh, Giant Simano, yeah. and I don't remember who the other guy were. And I was riding as much as possible, like in the grass next to the cobblestone sectors there, because I really couldn't stand being on the cobbles. And he was telling me, "Ah, oh, it's better to ride here on the crest in the middle of the." Yeah, like on my, the my road. Hands are so my, sore. My what hands. gear did you have? I had a really good gear. I had the perfect gear, uh -huh. so I, I couldn't like if I could wish for a new gear, it, it was the the best gear. But obviously, it's a big gear at times and and a small gear at other times. But but it is pretty flat, so yeah, uh, it was kind of working out uh, okay. But that was a long day, and and I finished. It was we were the last group inside oh, time cut. I think so there were. Good five or ten more guys in, in a group behind but but they didn't make it in, oh. in time cut uh, but my hands was uh, yeah I had the uh, real wounds in the hands uh, <laughs> afterwards it takes ages to heal doesn't it it, it does yeah it was really painful for for training also <laughs> yeah, that's a great one all right the last question is what is the best thing about riding a bike for you I think it's uh, the freedom uh, it's also quite different I think riding a bike as a pro as compared to somebody who's just doing it for fun like obviously I need to get out of my, my bike for, for training and, and the races I don't really have a, a choice if I don't feel for it or the weather is bad or mm. whatever but uh, the whole lifestyle give a lot of, of freedom on the responsibility like you need to be ready at the races and, and do your homework at home but but there's still uh, a lot of, of freedom when you're at home with limits you can't get wrong you need to get your sleep and, and a lot of others other stuff but yeah you, you are also quite uh, quite free and, and i really like that mm, nice mate i agree that's that's the same thing i said mate thanks for being on talking loft yeah thank you
Well, I hope you like it. There we go. Magnus Court Nielsen, Talking Luft. I love it. A massive thank you's got to go out to Simon Kane, who reached out to me. He's a sound engineer from Australia. And he said, mate, I want to help you. I want to get the quality of this these episodes up. So he's produced this episode. So if you like what you're hearing, that's thanks to Simon Kane, who's helped me produce this episode. He's taken the audio and he's really cleaned it up for me. So thanks a lot, mate. I really do appreciate that. And I'm sure everyone listening to this episode is going to appreciate it too. I want to say also to everyone that if they haven't had a chance to get the Doomline t-shirt, we're into the last week of the Doomline. That is an awesome limited release t-shirt that we had up online for a limited time only. Alex Daly is the designer of that t-shirt, an awesome design that he did. A fan of the podcast reached out to us with his cool design and we stuck it up on a limited edition t-shirt and that's coming to a close at the end of this week. So get yourself across there if you haven't already seen it and get yourself one of those. We're also running into the last moments of the Life from the Peloton Talking Luft cap. We've only got a few of them left. So like the Doom line, get across there and grab one of them. They've been selling hot ever since they went back up online as well. Guys, next week I've got an awesome episode over at the Cycling Podcast. My trip I did in Sweden, the length of Sweden. I've recorded snippets along the way. I recorded a little bit that I did with Lockie and Durbo beforehand. The training expedition, you could call that. So it's sort of going to be a bit of a package episode. We're going to be just sort of trickling along the way. It's going to be something a little bit different to the normal life in the Peloton, but I think you might enjoy it. Come on the journey with me through the preparation trip, but also the length of Sweden. Guys, until then, cheers. Cheers.